You are Locked On Gators, your daily podcast on the Florida Gators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to another episode of Locked On Gators, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Monday. I am Brandon Olson. You can find me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. I'm also the founder of Whole9Sports.com where you can find all of my written work today. We're going with a full game review, talk about the good, bad, and ugly, and we'll take a look at what I told you all on Friday that I would be looking for during this past weekend's matchup against South Florida. Before we get started, just a quick reminder to follow Locked On Gators wherever you listen to podcasts so that you never miss an episode. And please do subscribe to Locked On Gators on YouTube. Uh, what else is there? Uh, check my Twitter, my pinned tweet. You know, quote tweet that and l- let Locked On know why, why, why Florida has the best fan base. Simple as that. There's only one place to get all the info you need on the SEC five days a week, and that's Locked On SEC with Chris Gordy of Sports 790. Follow the Locked On SEC podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. Now, fair warning, this episode is probably going to be a little shorter than most, um, just because time constraints, that's how it's working out. But with the review, I'm going to start off looking at the offense. Both quarterbacks had at least one touchdown in the air and one on the ground. Obviously, uh, one was much more explosive than the other one was much more consistent or not i can't even say much more consistent than the other because he threw the ball three times but uh one was wildly horribly inconsistent and one was pretty dang good whenever he got the opportunity um so i'll leave that uh the rushing attack was um consistent even without the big plays that uh that we've seen from this team. Obviously we had the big plays. We had Anthony Richardson had an 80 yard touchdown run. Uh, Emory Jones had a 33 yard touchdown run and plays like that are fantastic because even if our passing attack is struggling, having two quarterbacks that can be consistent contributors and explosive playmakers on the ground is huge to this team. Like, especially with a passing attack that is having some trouble uh, finding any semblance of consistency because don't get me wrong, I'm I'm super stoked that we had the huge gains. I'm very happy that Jacob Copeland got involved this week. You know, uh, first week was not so much the case, but this week he just destroyed, outran the secondary multiple times. It was, it was a beautiful thing to see, um, and he was dominant. Really, it was it was great because like this is what we were hoping to see from him coming into the year. So this week was fantastic for him to especially build momentum going into Bama week because it's going to be pretty difficult to get open against Alabama. We know that. We're going to talk about that a lot this week, but it's important where having a team where you're not able to consistently move the ball, throwing it, having a rushing attack is all the more important. And it's hopefully going to help us open things up in the passing game. Uh, It's also interesting to me how few Carries our uh, our running backs have gotten to this point because, of course, Anthony Richardson's been the leading rusher yardage wise, just because he's killing. It was just huge run, huge. His two longest carries on the year combined go for 153 yards. So that's insane. Like that that is wild. So that's just a a big play threat waiting to happen. And honestly, I'm thinking 
maybe the plan versus Bama is just kill the clock because our passing attack is frankly sucking this year so far. So maybe it's just kill the clock, keep our running backs fresh, keep them moving. And maybe versus Bama, we see a ton of carries from guys where we haven't seen much from because granted pretty much all the running backs uh, at least contributed this week, but they didn't really get any snaps that would help them find a rhythm on the ground. So I'm thinking maybe just keep them fresh for Bama as the plan. I'm hoping so. I, otherwise, I would like to see them run the ball a little bit more, uh, especially given the inconsistency in the passing attack. Uh, defensively, I'm, I'm not going to go off on this a ton just because I went in depth on it uh, Thursday and a, a couple of days last week. Coverage, again, just way too off. And I'm hoping, I am seriously hoping that at this point, Todd Grantham is just like, you know what? We're going to keep playing off. And that that's just going to be what people think we are. And then Bama week, we get in some people's faces because um, they're going to demolish us. Like, like Bama is going to absolutely slaughter us if we play seven. There was one point it was like first and 10 and we were 12 yards off the line of scrimmage. And it's like, what? what is even the strategy there? Like, who, who are you stopping? Who are you even covering at that point? I don't care if you're in cover one, two, three, four, six, nine. I don't care. What nice, by the way. I don't care what coverage you're in. You should not be 12 yards off the line of scrimmage as a corner. Like, I was taught when I was in high school, like, 12 yards off the line of scrimmage as a safety, like, as the deep safety. 12 yards off the line of scrimmage as a corner when you're as athletic as you are, that, that's not going to fly. Like, Bama's going to kill us if, we, if that's how we play it. Uh, Avery Helm and Jason Marshall Jr. rotated in a ton like we saw a lot of secondary players play this week but helm and marshall specifically rotated in a lot at the corner spot opposite Kyrie elam there was one stretch where usf just went at avery helm kind of kind of a lot like they just went at him a few plays in a row but i mean luckily nothing nothing big happened um that's something we could take away from that that he was targeted quite a few times but there was no big play in either direction which is like would have been nice if he made a play, but at the same time, he didn't give up a huge play. And I mean, Florida, we tend to do that. And uh, a, a couple other things that's just not necessarily offense or defense specifically. One of the things I'm looking at, actually, this is this is defense. I'll consider defense. Um, I believe it was the first or second drive for South Florida. They ran a double pass. Um, I, I how Florida fell for it is beyond me. Like we got lucky that the South Florida receiver dropped the ball on the second pass, but how the Gators secondary fell for that is beyond me because there is no logical way where a wide receiver is coming eight yards back from the line of scrimmage to catch a ball. And you don't expect him to throw it again. There's no other reason for him to drop that far back. Like, there's no route that you do that with. That's not a thing. So I have no idea how Florida fell for that. But like, I, I and I don't mean like game plan wise. Um, that's just football IQ. Like if you see a receiver drop that far back, and you see other receivers going upfield, you you stay in coverage. I don't know what happened, but it was horrible. Um, a fun fact to bring up, since I'm I don't think I'll be breaking down pro football focus numbers this week, but I will talk about this one that they tweeted out uh Kyrie Lim, obviously our corner one two games into the season has played 54 coverage snaps only been targeted three times and has allowed only two catches for only 18 yards and of course uh 
got an interception <laughs> this past weekend. So that was huge, and he's just been having a fantastic start to his season. Again, I will point out that uh, some of that is partially due to other corners getting targeted specifically because not only are we very strong at corner one, but we've got questions at corner two. So th- I'm sure that plays a part in it, but that's that's just where we're at right now. And all right, college football fanatics, have you heard about prize picks? Prize picks is daily fantasy made easy. I love this, and I know you will too. Prize picks offers every sport you can think of, like NFL, college football, NBA, college basketball, MLB, soccer, MMA if you want, and more. Prize picks offers more college football props than anyone in the world and offers all the star players of the Power Five, as well as mid-major players you may never even have heard of, which obviously, if you can't tell by the Toledo helmet back here and the Toledo tattoo on the arm, that means a lot to me. Prize Picks also allows mixed sports entries, so you can take the over on LeBron points combined with the under on Mahomes completions in the same entry. Don't hesitate. Check out prizepicks.com or go to your app store and download the app today. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. Now we're going to take a look at the good, bad, and ugly. And uh, I'm not going to lie. I, I genuinely and generally, uh, I, I try to be optimistic, um, but I don't, I don't have a ton for the good section here. Um, primarily, I'll say the good that I have is explosive plays in the passing game. That's huge. Getting that going is just so vital for this team because we've got a good rushing attack. We know this for a fact. Having an explosive or at least threatening to be explosive passing attack makes us way more lethal both in the air and on the ground. So that's huge. Just makes us a much more balanced offense. Um, Another thing that I'll say is, is it a good, I guess? Um, I don't know why I put in quotes. I could say, oh, it's a good day. It's obviously a good thing. Our rushing attack remained explosive. Again, Anthony Richardson ate up a lot of that. Emory Jones ate up a good chunk of that. But it's good that we've shown two weeks in a row. Like it, it wasn't just FAU's bad. Granted, South Florida's bad too. But it wasn't just FAU's bad. It was we've got an offense where we can have some huge rushing attacks and, and some huge rushing gains. And that's especially big against Bama because running certain options, they've gotten exposed before due to their overly complex scheme. So option plays have found some success with, you know, relative consistency. Looking at the bag, uh, bag, bad, we've got some somewhat possibly banged up Gators. Anthony Richardson, of course, pulled up and looked like he tweaked his hamstring on the 80-yard touchdown run. Literally, as he got into the end zone, he was like, oh, God damn it. It was just like, it was rough. Um, So that sucked, by the way, (laughs) to see that happen. Haven't really heard much about it. I'm assuming that we're not going to hear much about it because, why show your hand? Like college is, um, you're kind of, you've got more freedom to not disclose injuries with college. So Dan Mullen, if I were him, I would just keep that close to the vest. No idea. Like Bamo's not going to know how healthy, how hurt he is. That's not an issue. Uh, Jacob Copeland, I know that he played and he made big plays after this, but there was at one point he was near the sideline on the ground and Thad Mangum, a uh, defensive player, for South Florida took a, a very clear, blatant cheap shot and just like threw his shoulder on Jacob Copeland. Jacob Copeland, of course, was down for a couple minutes and then kind of had to shake it off. And I mean, look, he came back and he played well, 
But I will say that we can never be too sure. Like maybe it was just adrenaline got him back in here. Maybe it was just that he was pissed and it got him back in there. But I'm also sure that it 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 had to leave him sore. I got left sore after that. Like that that sucked to just see happen. So that's a thing I'm going to keep an eye out on. Um, another injury to keep an eye out on is Ventro Miller reportedly hurt his elbow, and we're not sure what the severity is. And uh. I, I don't think that we will know the severity. I don't think that's something that fans are going to hear. I don't think that's something the media is going to hear. I, I don't think that's something we're going to be privy to, similar to Anthony Richardson, where it's like, well, if they if Bama knows that this player is or isn't playing, they can game plan for that. If they make the assumption he's playing and he don't and he doesn't play, that's fine. If they make the assumption he doesn't play and he does play, that's fine too. Knowing Bama, they're going to make the assumption that everybody's going to play just so that they're prepared for all situations. But at least you keep them guessing, you know, you just don't give them any definites. So that's where I think we're going to uh, kind of approach this. Uh, another thing to look at for the defense is another bad thing for our defense is allowing 20 points to South Florida is pitiful disgusting and disgraceful. Like those are the best three ways I can put it because as much as I love the defensive talent we have and the players we have on this defense, that's not cool. Like allowing 20 to USF, I get one of the touchdowns was about as garbage time as it gets for them. Um, And it was with backups and I don't care. Uh, That's still not acceptable. Uh, NC State could shut them out and NC State's defense sucks, frankly. So that that's not okay with me. And going into Bama, like, that's not going to work. Like off coverage, um, a pass rush that can't hit home consistently, only hit home once really. And I mean hit home in the sense of finished. Obviously there were hurries and pressures, but actually getting the sack once against South Florida. And it was relatively early if I remember correctly. I know it was Jeremiah Moon coming off that, like he came in between the left tackle and left guard. But that's, yeah, that's that's what I remember from it. And that's the only sack we have. And, you know, uh, Kyrie Elam had the interception, but not being able to force takeaways against a team that's as, I don't want to say sorry, but as uh, lackadaisical as South Florida, those are keys to disaster if you're going to play like that against Bama on Saturday. And ugly, the good, you know, good, bad, ugly now, right? The ugly part, uh, Emery, please. <laughs> I kind of just want to leave it at that. Like, missing reads, uh, making poop reads uh, inaccurate passes when he's actually making the correct read his confidence is clearly jacked up right now and i don't i don't want to rip on him i don't like doing that uh personally i just in any any way i don't like publicly bashing players or anything like that and i'm not even thinking about publicly bashing with him i'm just thinking his confidence is jacked up and like it's got to get fixed for the betterment of the team uh, so I, that's where I'm at. It's like, I'm not saying bench him. I'm not saying take him out. I'm not saying do this. I'm just saying though, like something has to be done to make progress. And I do put it partially on the coaching staff for not addressing it, uh, properly, I guess, but things need to change is my point. Locked on Gators is now on YouTube and you'll see eventually that I'm a sweater. I don't know if you can see it now, but I'm, I'm dying. It's like, and it's only like mid eighties here. I'm, I'm dying though. And like, it, it's pretty gross. Like I sweat a lot. Uh, it, it's yikes. But I mean, 
I mean, Miami's way worse. I mean, the Carolina game yesterday was 112 degrees. It was atrocious, but now I've got sweat block. So sweat block is stronger and more effective than most clinical antiperspirants. You simply apply it before bedtime at night, go to bed, bam, wake up, shower, and you're good to go without having to worry about it. Guaranteed. And I know it sounds too good to be true, but I only have to use sweat block once or twice a week and it keeps me dry. Use promo code locked on to get 20% off at sweatblock.com. Or you can also get Sweatblock at Amazon or CVS. Don't forget to use promo code LOCKED ON to get 20% off if you do get it from sweatblock.com. And I don't know about you guys, but uh, football season's here. Of course, college is here and NFL is here, and it's it's fun, but they're all jacked freaks, and I'm an average human being, so that's fun. But I'm constantly reminded of how great their physiques are compared to how uh, uh, Sugar Honey Ice Tea mine is. <laughs> Compared to theirs, at least. So I'm committing to eating Bilt Bar as my snack because I do snack a lot. I eat a lot. My hours are crazy. So I'm snacking middle of the night, very early in the morning, middle of the day. It's all over the place, but that's where I'm at. And if you're like me where you want to eat clean, but you've got a really bad sweet tooth, that's no longer a problem. Bilt Bar is your low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and most importantly, honestly, high-fiber solution. You can even enjoy it if you're keto. Remember to use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off of your next order. That is LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 to get 15% off of your next order at BuiltBar.com. Now, whew, we're wrapping up today's show with what I was looking out for on Friday. This segment's definitely going to be a little bit shorter because, like I said, this episode is probably going to be a little bit shorter, but it ended up being about the same time as usual, but I've got a time crunch, so I'm going to speed it up a little bit. Um, looking at the first thing I was talking about, this one's pretty easy to just burn through which quarterback plays more it, it was emory uh who we like we both know that they'll always play who played more emory who played first emory who played last emory who played more garbage time snaps emory and i say it's so quick to run through because it probably would have been different if anthony richardson didn't uh i don't, I don't even know, tweak his hamstring uh probably would have been a bit different but then again maybe emory would have stayed in and played a little bit more just because he was the one that needed more work when we got to see him. But again, Anthony Richardson didn't really get many opportunities because when he got on the field, it was just bomb touchdowns. So who knows what would have happened, but Anthony Richardson's injury kept Emory on the field. And that that's that really been looking at quarterbacks. And then did we open up the playbook passing wise? One of the things I wanted to see was how different this playbook would look compared to week one and then moving on to week two and who, how different it would look with Anthony Richardson or Emory Jones in, um, Again, we didn't get to see a ton of what the playbook would look like with Anthony Richardson because he kept coming in the field and just bomb, bomb, run, bomb. Like it, it was, it was just consistent big gains. So I mean, we obviously challenged vertically more often this week than we did in week one. That was clear. Just looking at Jacob Copeland plays, and honestly, I think that's one of the reasons that we did so is so Jacob Copeland can kind of get moving and get get momentum going. I think. I think it was more about getting Cope moving than it was about getting these quarterbacks passing vertically, um, if that makes sense. I think it was more to benefit the receiver than the quarterbacks. Um, and yeah, it's like obviously when Anthony Richardson came on the field, we were more big, like more shot happy, I guess we'll say, because Emery, you know, ran a more slow pace. I don't want to say methodical because it certainly wasn't, but he ran a slower pace offense. And of course, Anthony Richardson was just throwing bombs every time. 
So, I mean, this offense is still very much a, not a, not a complete question mark, but it's still, we don't know where they're going to go with Bama. I'm sure Bama's way smarter than me, so I'm sure they're, they've uh, taken multiple different approaches to this. But at this point, I like where we're at. I like what we've shown, um, at least at least uh, schematically. Obviously, on the, on the field, we've been not, not stellar passing, but uh, I like at least what's been drawn up and what's been what's been executed, not necessarily how it's been executed. Does that make sense? And uh, the third thing that I was keeping an eye out on was how much do our young defenders and our depth defenders play? Um, and one big thing that bothered me from them in week one was penalties late in the game. Our depth defenders and our young defenders kept getting penalties. Uh, luckily, not a single defensive penalty from our reserves. I don't think we had a defensive penalty in the fir- in the second half either. Uh, I know in the first half we had a running into the uh, kick catch interference. We had a face mask. Uh, I believe we had an encroachment, if I'm not mistaken, but I could be totally wrong. Uh, I think we had a defensive holding. It was, you know, um, not great, but I mean, I was looking for our depth, and our depth didn't have those issues. Uh, fourth quarter with a lot of reserves in was not a good time for me, though. Like, the, yes, penalties were fine, but. Uh, South Florida ran 13 offensive plays in that fourth quarter. They gained 89 yards on those 13 plays, which is an average of 6.8, almost nice, uh, 6.8 yards per play, which is not great. Again, looking at our depth guys, but one of the things I wanted to look at was that they kept giving up consistent gains in week one. They did the same thing again week two, so I'm not a huge fan of that. And I know another thing that I spoke about was how early do they come in? How much do they play? That same same kind of line of thinking. But uh, our offense, it didn't separate the way that I thought we would against South Florida. And so our reserves didn't come in until later in the game than they should have. Because again, I said I was hoping a full second half of reserves. Uh, wasn't the case because, again, our offense couldn't consistently get things done. Specifically, you know, turning the ball over. Emory Jones had two interceptions. He's now had four on the year. So that's not a great look. That's very, very rough considering we've played lesser competition. I believe he's, and if you include his two should have been interceptions, I believe he's throwing picks at a, or should be throwing picks at a rate of like 13% of his passes now. So he's got to clean it up, especially against Bama because honestly, like he could maybe complete 13% of his passes against him. It's got some, uh, some doomsday potential there. But that about does it for today's episode of Locked On Gators. Join me tomorrow as we'll break down some of the tape again. And I was really planning on it, but like, Tape Tuesday. Sure, that's our thing. Once again, my name is Brandon Olson. You can find me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. You can also find all of my written work with Whole Nine Sports as W-H-O-L-E-N-I-N-E Sports. Be sure to check out Locked On Utes, hosted by Brian Brown and Jake Hatch, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I know I shouted them out last week, but like, I love them. I'm ready for next week. We're, I'm ready for next year. We're already talking trash about week one, but I also just wanted to say, <laughs> you lost to BYU. So whoosh, yikes. Imagine losing in 2021 BYU, like not even, not even the one with the good quarterback. Whoosh. Betting on the Gators doesn't have to be a guessing game. If you listen to the new Locked On Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling, get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day follow the lockdown bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you listen to podcasts